Hi everyone, this is Mihai with another review episode and today we are live with our very first interview from the bar world. Today I had a very nice chat with my uh, fellow colleague Robert Marshall who is a brand ambassador for the Remy Martin Group and he works as a private consultant for BDG Romania. We've talked today about Metax, about Contro, about Margaritas, about his background in uh, acting and filmmaking and all this kind of stuff that he is very passionate about including singing and we had a very nice chat about his uh, travels to Romania to the Transylvania area where he actually made a documentary and we share a very nice story about him and Prince Charles. So if I picked your interest please stay tuned with us and uh, let's see together the full episode that I've made with Robert Marshall here at the Visible Studios in the city center of Brasov, Romania and I would like to take the opportunity to thank our partners for making this happen so thank you Monin Romania for this partnership as well as Visible Studios. Enjoy! So, Robert Marshall, how are you, sir? I'm very well, thank you. How are you? Very good. Welcome to, to Brasov. Thank you. So, what's your business here? Uh, I just decided I'd come and give you a visit because you seemed a bit lonely. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, because we haven't uh, made uh, an interview or a, or a podcast for such a long time. Yeah. So, with you today, we're going to break the ice. That's great. Yeah, I've been meaning to come for a long time because we've been talking about doing this for a for a while yeah, and yeah. we're going to do it online because of the pandemic but yeah finally I've managed to, to make it here because I've had a few things to do today which was nice but yeah this is perfect so uh, what kind of things if you are able to share with us of course yeah no i've been in brashov just uh just to catch up a bit to see how things are in in brashov with uh with the spirits i work with with the drinks i work with uh but i also visited a few places and did some quick trainings with metaxa today so okay so for the ones that are looking now at our uh, uh, discussion can we can you say what a bit uh, about yourself? What is your background so that they can understand fully what you are doing in Brasov? Well, I'm an English man living in Romania. Oh, really? An yes, Englishman? An Englishman living in Romania, um, legally. I have, <laughs> I have permanent residency here. Okay, congratulations. I've applied for citizenship. So, oh, yeah, nice. Yeah. So I am. Um, yeah, I've been here like 13 years in Romania. Yeah, so a long time. So since 2007 um, and uh, yeah, I kind of fell in love with Romania and ended up staying longer than I thought. And now I'm almost 40 and I'm still in Romania. And how was your, uh, how long was initially your plan to stay here? I think originally I was intending maybe a year to just like see how it, how it was. Yeah. You know, and then maybe a year turned into two years, three years and then, you know, suddenly I arrived at where I am now, which is 13, 13 years. Um, but yeah, I, I came, you know, just to experience Romania and I ended up working in the wine business, the Romanian wine business. Um, 
working for a Romanian winery. And I did that for quite a few years. I was working in sales and marketing. And during that period, I learned a lot about Romanian wine and wine in general, and also about the uh, hospitality market in Romania. Um, and at the same time, I was simultaneously doing lots of courses uh, in the UK. I was doing my WSET courses in wine and spirits. So I built up my education there. And then at some point I decided I was going to go freelance and be a freelance consultant and to try and use the knowledge that I knew from the UK market and the knowledge I used, knew from the Romanian market. And for the last, yeah, last several years, I've been working as a, as a consultant in the, in the wine and spirits industry. And I've been specifically working with uh, Remy Contro uh, with their portfolio as a brand ambassador in, in Romania. So I work at all across Romania doing education, trainings, tastings, these kind of things. Yeah, so I've seen today on your Instagram account or uh, Alex uh, account, if I'm not uh, yeah. mistaken. So you had uh, a small presentation with Remy Cointreau at a liquor store? Yeah, we. I just visited a few uh, small liquor stores, um, which is still open in this period because often I'm visiting bars and restaurants, but as you know, a lot of them are closed right now. So I, I visited a few liquor stores and we tasted some uh, Metaxa, some Metaxa premium uh, products, let's say. So we tasted some aged Metaxa spirits, which I think we're going to taste today. Yeah, uh, really, really soon. But before that, so I will ask my colleague Claudio to put the general um, image. So here we have some bottles that we're going to dwell uh, right in but in a mo in a moment i want to ask you first so what what are the biggest let, let's not let's not say the biggest the most popular types of wine in romania that attracted you for this kind of stuff uh what are the what are my personal favorites or what do i think has yeah because i've seen on your account that you have a lot of activities or used to yeah with the wine industry in romania so i i just want to know how come an englishman came yeah. to romania to taste our wine well it's all kind of coincidental i mean it's like uh, firstly i'm an englishman so i i quite like a drink so that's <laughs> okay. you know that's an, immediately i'm qualified um <laughs> But um, yeah, I mean, I have a background. I used to work in, in the restaurant industry in, in Britain when I was a student, uh, when I was studying and afterwards as well. So it's I'd come into contact with uh, working in the bar industry and working in the restaurant industry and trying and tasting wines. And it was all something that I wanted to know more about. You know, I was very confused by... Uh, by the international wine market because there's so many different wines and so many different grape varieties and styles of wines. And um, coming to Romania, I took I took this job working for Korkova, which is... Uh, yeah, I a, know Korkova. Yeah, it's quite well known in Romania now. When I started, it was a, a relatively new um, crammer, a new uh, winery on the market. So we had to kind of build up the profile of, 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 it, of this wine. And um, yeah, I also also built my knowledge up of, of understanding about wines and I began tasting lots, lots more of wines. And um, yeah, I, I 
became, I, I suppose, I, did I fall in love with wines? Or I, I like fell in love with the idea of tasting things and analyzing them and talking about them, whether it's food, whether it's wine, whether it's spirits, because everything sort of has a connection and everything interacts, as you know, if you, when you make it, when you're making cocktails or when <laughs> you're dealing with coffee, it's like there's lots of synergies between, uh, between the way that we experience sensorial things. Yeah, you've said earlier that uh, you've made the WSAT courses as yeah. well in wine or in spirits. I did a combination. Well, I did um, I did uh, a combined course with wine and spirits uh, to the diploma level. So um, yeah, it's it's quite in depth. It's um, both to do with uh, process and also marketing and rules and regulations surround, surrounding wine and spirits. So it kind of covers ev everything. If you're a sommelier or you're interested in tasting wines, you have to learn a lot about this side of things. But also if you're working in marketing or sales, there's a huge part of the syllabus which deals with, uh, with marketing and sales. And uh, I always found the kind of marketing and sales and the way that we, uh, we come into contact with wines as, uh, as consumers interesting. This is something that I've always found interesting. So this, this fit in well with what I was doing. You know, why in Romania do we drink uh, certain wines and in other countries other people drink other wines? Is it because Romanians have a taste for certain wines and spirits? Or is it because of what's available on the market? Or is it to do with the history of uh, the country and the history of the way that people consume spirits? Okay, so you'd like to do your research, I see. Yeah, I do. Yeah, I'm, I'm sort of, it's, uh, I'm intrigued by uh, all these things. Yeah. So uh, I have to be honest with you, I've been stalking your accounts a bit okay. for the last couple of days and I've seen some quite interesting things, but I want to stay in the wine region now. So I've seen a documentary with you. So can yes. you tell us what was that about? So a few years ago, I made um, I made a, a very short pilot, a, a 20 minute wine documentary. It's me visiting uh, a winery, trying a few Romanian wines, specifically uh, Fetiasca Regala, which is a Romanian grape variety originating in Mores. Um, and yeah, I also tasted some food. I met some people in Transylvania. It was a nice, nice little show with me meeting uh, people speaking very bad Romanian, <laughs> riding a bicycle, trying to look very charming and professional at the same time. <laughs> And uh, yeah, having a thoroughly good time doing it. It was really good fun. Yeah. So I have to be honest, uh, last night I had someone um, in my house that is doing some renovations uh -huh. and he's helping me with some stuff. And I was at the computer and I played first the trailer, you know? Yeah. And I've seen something there and I start bursting into laughter, you know? Yeah. And the guy thought, hey, what happened? No, 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 it's okay. It's okay. Because I had my headphones and he yeah. could not understand what happened. So I think it would be great for our audience to see what was that about. So I'll ask my colleague Claudio uh, when he has some time to put the trailer for us so that we can watch it together.
și viața e frumoasă. Sunteți băiatul lui Prințul Charles? Iau? Nu. Nu? Yeah, you are right. You looked very stylish on that bicycle. Thank you. It's actually my bicycle. Okay, <laughs> so it's not rented or... Uh, no, no. It's not a prop for a movie. No, it wasn't a prop. I turned up for the meeting on my bicycle and they said, oh, let's use your bicycle for it. Okay, so... So, yeah, it was a, a chance thing. So, for the people uh, who do not understand Romanian, there was there a small passage with that l- lady who asked you if you are... Uh, the son of Prince Charles? Yeah, because we were very near um, Viscri. Ah, okay. If Romanians know about Viscri. Prince Charles uh, owns, uh, well, a few houses. I think he has, owns more than one house in Viscri, which is a small village in Transylvania. Prince Charles is uh, is a big fan of uh, Transylvania and Romania. He comes here in his personal time, uh, you know, and holidays in Romania. Um, and he has a yeah, he has a house in Viscre, and um, yeah, she must have thought that I looked like royalty. <laughs> well, dressed <laughs> like that on a bicycle, I must Perhaps, say that. Yeah, yeah. So here's a quick story that I just remember mm-hmm. now. So a few years ago, I was working in the center of Brasov at a bistro, and um, one day our boss is coming and she's saying, "Well, we have an impromptu event now. We have to go." So who? Who is in? I had a lot of work to do in that. Yeah. They say, no, I'm not coming, but you can take these colleagues and do your stuff. So they went, they made the event. And when they came back, they say, the waiter, they are uh, very young uh, girls. They were like so puzzled. They say, hey, what happened? Uh, she said to me, do you know who was at lunch? I say, no, who? Prince Charles. Uh. So it was a private dinner in the black church. Okay. So it wasn't unannounced, so yeah. very few people knew about it. Yeah. And that's kind of stuff that happens here in Brasov, yeah. Yeah, yeah, because they, you know, the secret service have to do a sweep of the yeah. of the church. Yeah. But he was very very cool about it. So he's a very nice guy apparently. Apparently, I've heard so as well. Yeah. And I mean, one of the things that he really loves about Romania is that he loves the nature here and the traditions and uh And, and you know all the things that have kind of disappeared in Britain. A lot of the things that I like in Romania is uh, are some of the things that you don't find in Britain anymore. You know, in the countryside, you find a lot of tradition, and this is a really nice thing. Yeah, and Viscri is a very nice place yeah. to go, especially if you are a foreigner. Especially if you're a foreigner, yeah. Yeah, yeah and uh, about the small video, I don't know if I I'm going to pronounce this correctly, but uh, I've seen you um, use a sighty. Quasa. A quasa, yeah, a scythe. A scythe, yeah. Yeah, we call them scythes. Uh, it's what the Grim Reaper carries. Yeah, he, yeah, you know. yeah. You pronounce m- yeah. much better than me, so that's why I wanted to for you to do it. It's, I, I, it's uh, difficult for me to pronounce in Romanian. <laughs> so it was uh, a bit challenging for you. How was it? 
yeah, it's it's tough. Is come to you? It's a fuck. What's the verb in now? You're gonna make me <laughs> say cosi. I cosi to uh, to scythe. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's really hard work. You need to be strong. And when you see these old ladies in um, Maramores and uh, in in places like Viscre in Transylvania, at like eighty doing this because you know it's the only way of cutting the grass. It's like a lot of respect. Yeah, but do you know what are uh, their secret? Maybe they're not 80, maybe they're like 25, but they just <laughs> look really old. No, actually they are 80, but <laughs> they are very strong because they have a small glass of Romanian uh, brandy in the morning. A bit of palinka in the morning or yeah. tzvika. Yeah. Yeah, 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 so, so it, I've heard. It has to do with grapes also, so I think this is also your domain. Yeah, yeah. What about these kind of traditional spirits? Are you covering them or just wines and... Uh, Metaxa, stuff well, like that. Well, I'm forced to cover them because everywhere you go in Romania, people just throw them down your neck. <laughs> so it's, um, <laughs> I don't have any choice. Um, okay. I'm always getting gifts of, uh, you know, two liter plastic bottles full of the best Romanian sweetca. <laughs> Made, yeah. made my, you must taste my grandmother's uh, palinka, it's the best, you won't have tasted anything yeah, like it. Yeah, it's it's so, uh, clean yeah, yeah. from it's a different. real plum. Yeah. Or exactly, it's different. Oh, you didn't taste the ones from Bihor, they're different. Oh, Horinka is different. Yeah, so I've had <laughs> quite a few experiences with palinka and tzvika. Um I like it, actually. I think it's really good. Yeah. I mean, it's, um, especially when, when you have it, you know, I think most of the time when you're drinking wine and spirits or any kind of beverage, it's like it's about the situation. It's about the food. It's about the people. It's like what you have in your hand at the time. You know, it's like I wouldn't go to a traditional Romanian dinner in the countryside and force everyone to drink margaritas. <laughs> that I could be try. Great. That'd yeah, be fun, actually. I think you would have a yeah. great yeah. Uh, rate of success with that. Maybe maybe that's yeah, maybe I should do that. But um Yeah, you know, I, it's perfect for like when you're drinking slanina or, uh, sorry, when you're eating slanina <laughs> to drink suika or palinka. It makes sense. I mean, it's like the food and the the spirit, the food and the wine grew up together. So, um, yeah, I'm not snobby about the fact that uh, palinka and suika are maybe a bit rough, a bit kind of... The, sometimes. Sometimes rough. Sometimes they burn your throat. Yeah. <laughs> sometimes they destroy your taste buds. But... Um, <laughs> Yeah, I like I like them. Yeah, but yeah. but I've got enough. I've got enough. Yeah, I don't sure. Need anymore. Yeah, you don't <laughs> need to give me a bottle tonight. Okay, to I won't give you because I don't have it. Also, even though my father-in-law makes it at oh, home, sure. it's the best. He's, uh, yeah, <laughs> we are recording this, so it's the best. Yeah, yeah. of course. <laughs> uh, speaking of which, if you go to Cluj Napoca, the city, mm. there is a place called Dot for from a district of Toast. Okay. It's owned by I think you know him, Marian Porum. He's a colleague yes, of ours. Yes, of course I know. Yeah, and, I know Marian. Marian. Yeah, and yeah. he has there a very big collection of palinka and suika. I think more than thirty-five uh, or forty. Wow. From all over the place, you know. I'd actually like to do a you know be involved in uh, experience a, a proper suika tasting because yeah, you that will be find interesting. It you will find it there. Yeah, so yeah. from all kind of producers, you know, locally craft stuff like that yeah 
Yeah, oh, that sounds good. Yeah, you definitely should pay I him a visit. I think I should uh, take a few days off <laughs> yeah. work for that. And go explore. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it seems that from the video from the trial, you mm. had a very good time there and you've met a lot of interesting persons. Can you share like a memorable experience from your trip? Um, besides being the son of Prince Charles. Besides that compliment. Um Yeah, I really enjoyed. I mean, I really enjoyed visiting the the vineyard and discovering a bit more about uh, Fetiasca Regala, which is a Romanian white grape variety. That yeah, Romanians. You know, most Romanians know this grape variety, but it's probably not very well known to international markets. Unfortunately, unfortunately, yeah, yeah. And Fetiasca Regala is um, is they think it, it was it's from the region of Mureș. You know, it, it developed in this region at some point. Um, so tasting those wines was a really nice experience. Um, yeah, so or anything. So like, the whole experience. The right? whole experience. Yeah, it was really nice. You know, a few days, and we there was a small team of people. We're a small production team, and yeah, it was great. I mean, I can't ask for a better experience. Really. Yeah, there was a picture on your account with a little boy having a small cat. That's right. Yeah, we visited um, a really nice place in. Um, Saskis, yeah, I think it was. Um, it's a family who, uh, yeah, have, actually the guy he was working in the UK as a as a chef, as a bukatar, and you know he worked for many years abroad, and then he decided to come back to Saskis, which is actually where he's from, where he grew up. So mm. they bought a a house there, and they've relocated uh, there, and they've opened a small coffee shop in Saskis. Oh, yeah, like a you know a proper hipster. Oh, coffee shop where they sell flat whites with wow almond milk and stuff like that. You should give me the address because I travel quite a lot. Yeah, to that well, you, if you travel through there, you can stop off. Um, yeah, it's easy to find because there's not there's not many like hip, yeah. hipster coffee shops in. Uh, Indeed, yeah. There might be now. It might be full of them, uh, but. Um, Yeah, it's uh, so the yeah no, and the, he's cooking still, and um, yeah, great bright, great place to bring up a family. And there's actually quite a big community of people who have uh, either decided to 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 settle in that area. There's lots of English people, Scottish people, Dutch, uh, all all nationalities living in that area who've just you know really really love that area and have bought houses there. Some of them rent them and do some, you know, tourism and Airbnb and these kind of and different experiences. So it's like, yeah, it's like a very positive thing happening in uh, in Transylvania, because as you know, it, it was a lot of these vir- uh, villages were uh, completely uh, empty, uh, particularly after the revolution, because people just finally left that area, you know, after years and years of problems and suffering and so now it's really nice to see these houses being restored and people actually coming back from some of the the sash people coming back from germany to to live in these houses it's really good yeah and yeah. i think uh prince charles had a great influence after he started to buy all kind of stuff there in yeah. that area yeah i think he's like yeah good brand ambassador for the for the area yeah yeah, yeah. and also his programs with uh you know some support and um i think he's really encouraged people not to to keep the traditions and to not put tamapane in the houses and things like that <laughs> yeah, yeah, which, yeah, is, yeah. which is good yeah, yeah those very ugly windows <laughs> exactly yeah try and restore restore the houses back to some 
you know, of its traditional glory and uh, to use wood rather than plastic and uh, yeah. So yeah, maybe I think we should put some pictures uh, afterwards for the people to see this kind of uh, buildings because they are quite nice. So I'm, yeah. I'm curious. So you finished w- uh, with wine and you got into spirits or it's well, you're doing it in parallel? I was doing it in parallel at some point because when I worked in the wine business, I was working for a, for a winery. And so I was representing their wines, which was, you know, one single portfolio from one single producer. And um, I was getting really enthusiastic about wines and tasting lots of wines, but I couldn't really start doing presentations and tastings, you know, because I was working for a winery. But I was very interested in spirits as well. So I thought, well, there's no conflict of interest if I if I do some spirits tastings with friends and with with colleagues. Um, Also, at that time, uh, nobody was really doing spirits tastings. There was lots of wine tastings, lots of wine events, but nobody was doing a gin tasting or a whiskey tasting. Um, so I started doing a few tastings with gin and whiskey and um, rum, uh, just in liquor stores with friends and with people participating to cover the costs of the whiskies or the gins. And it was really good fun. I learned a lot. I learned how to talk about spirits or use my knowledge and research. And um, yeah, it became something that became more and more of a passion. And um, yeah, and through spirits, of course, I started reading a lot more about the history of spirits and the history of cocktails and combining this with the the knowledge that I had from uh, working in the UK in the bar industry. I was never a mixologist in the, in the UK. I was never working as uh, making cocktails. You know, the most complex cocktail I ever made when I was working as a bartender was like a gin and tonic, you know, but <laughs> That's what the the market demanded at the time. We weren't making uh, we weren't making you know serious cocktails uh, in pubs and things like that. But um, I always had an interest in in these things, and then I became more and more involved in the in the spirits business. And uh, you know, finally, by by accepting this uh, wonderful job with uh, Remy Quantro and working with uh, the products that. Uh, that they have, which is Remy Martin, Cointreau, Mount Gay Rum, Brooklady, uh, Single Malt. I never get the pronunciation right with this one. It's a very difficult uh, one to pronounce. Um, It's uh, Brooklady. Brooklady. Yeah, yeah. It's no no ich on the end, just Lady. Lady. Okay. Yeah. And the R, it shouldn't be too difficult for Romanians because you have a rolling R yeah. <laughs> in Romanian. So it's Bruk Lady. Bruk Lady. From, okay. from Isla. Okay. So it's not Is- Islay, it's uh, Isla. Isla. Yeah, where lots of famous uh, peated whiskies come from. So I work, yeah, I work with a famous. Isla whiskey, Brukladi, uh, the botanist gin, which is also made by Brukladi, um, and Metaxa as well, which is uh, the original Greek brandy, which is quite well known in Romania, or at least uh, it's very popular. Yes. It's very popular. I think everybody's at some point tasted a five star Metaxa or a seven star Metaxa. But um, yeah, I deal more with. Uh, 12 stars and above, so Private Reserve and uh, Angel's Treasure. So these are more kind of 
premium expressions of uh, of Metaxa. Yeah, I don't know if I have uh, I should say this on live on live, but uh, Metaxa the five and seven starts was uh, our drink of choice when we were in high school. Ah, that's why you're so smart. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we were drinking. Uh, Quite a bit of Metaxa yeah. at our parties, yeah. Good, that's good to know, yeah. Um, Because you could find it everywhere, yeah? and it was, yeah. uh, and it still is a good, um, how do you say, value for money. It has a good report of value over money. Exactly, yeah. They couldn't have said it better. What were you mixing it with? Uh, just with Coke. With Coke, yeah. Yeah, the, yeah. the juice. Yeah. The soda. Yeah. Not other coke yeah yeah i understood that <laughs> i was thinking like wow remaining high schools must have been a lot of fun if you were snorting the taxi with uh, illegal drugs yeah yeah no we didn't have any and no. also we didn't have the metaxa 12 years which is here in our studio yeah. so what's is, uh, its story so actually yeah it's not something that people are maybe as familiar with because it's a newer addition to the metaxa family And um, indeed, if you're really used to drinking five star or seven star mixed with uh, whether it's ginger beer or Coca-Cola, um, yeah, Metaxa 12 stars is, is where the kind of premium range begins. So it's, much, it's, it's matured for longer in, in barrels. Uh, so it's got a bit more complexity. So you can drink it on its own or with ice or in some signature cocktails. So some cocktails which... Uh, enhance some of the complexities of, of the 12 star um yeah so i don't know maybe we're going to try later a little bit and i can talk why talk why, why not try now yeah why not try now Perfect uh, you moment. know how do you say carpe diem live your life yeah or live in the moment or stuff like uh, that yeah i think it's uh i don't know I, uh, you're the latin speaking <laughs> yeah but country. My, my latin is not so yeah. good unfortunately so seize the moment is it yeah stuff like that so seize here the moment. yeah i'm going to put it to the camera so claudio will take a closer look this is a metaxa my tasting kit and it's uh, signed by this gentleman constantinos raptis correct which i think it's here on this uh, leaflet is that, it that's him okay yeah, yeah that's uh he's the master uh, blender yeah he's the metaxa master we call him the metaxa master because he's not only uh blending he's also distilling so it's ah, um two job roles yeah it's i mean it's the whole it's the whole job from from start to finish he he's also working in the in the vineyards overseeing um uh the harvest of the grapes because the the grapes are a very important part of the process of of making metaxa which i can talk a little bit more of sure if you want uh, yes until <clears throat> i get all the bottles here so here we have a tasting glass which looks very nice I was preparing some tasting glasses and they are like the same. ISO official international standard tasting glasses. Yes, and maybe you can tell us a bit about the bottles while I'm... Uh, well, these are little the samples for, uh, for our consumption only, specially delivered. Um, But this kit like this, how I got it here, you give it to liquor stores to bars no no this is just for private consumption oh. I, seriously i just uh, i just uh, use this uh, just use this for personal tastings okay so yeah yeah so I, I i'm feeling lucky now you are lucky you, there's only a few of these in the in romania so um yeah and because it's the reserve range i mean these these are spirits which um Yeah, the prices are, are, are much higher for these spirits. Uh, as you said, the five star, the seven star are, are, are 
quite, um, yeah, quite more affordable, affordable. Uh, but you know with the <clears throat> with the reserve range as the more mature the spirit becomes uh, the more expensive they become so uh, with the angel's treasure yeah you're talking uh, you know much more expensive uh, sp spirit so you have a little was gurchit no, I'm <laughs> joking we're cheapskates no we're not but uh, yeah we have some just nice little sample bottles this evening for uh, for this special taste okay so yeah. let's let's give it a try yeah so uh, we'll start we'll start with the 12 star okay and we're going to move you know through the range um so i was saying yeah what defines metaxa i was talking a bit about uh, yeah, about okay. the grapes because um <clears throat> A lot of people uh, wrongly assume that Metaxa is uh, just another brandy. You know, it's made from uh, fermented grapes, which are then distilled twice, and it's just a Greek brandy. And it's often referred to as a Greek brandy. I mean, it fits in the brandy category. But Metaxa is made in a very unique way because it's made from grape distillate, but it's also combined with Muscat wines, sweet Muscat wines. And also with an essence, with a secret, an essence made from a secret ingredient, which includes uh, some Greek rose petals and other Mediterranean spices. So there's actually three components uh, that go into the, the construction of, of Metaxa. So this is different to the way that cognac's made and different to the way that many, uh, many other brandies are made. So uh, I wanted to ask you because I have this curiosity and I wrote it down also for today. Yeah. When I entered in the bar industry, like it was 2008. Right. So I've heard a rumor or stuff like that, that the Metaxa company had a big lawsuit with the guys from BNIC, the Bureau National Interprofessional du Cognac, because they had written on their bottled cognac, the Metaxa guys. Is it true or is it just a rumor? Um, well, I know for a fact that Metaxa, I mean, Metaxa, first was founded the company in 1888 so i mean it's an old company and it was it was uh founded by spiros metaxa who was a, a merchant um rich guy who decided uh he tasted lots of cognacs from france and he decided okay i'm going to try and make a greek style of cognac and he made metaxa you know created a distillery and started producing metaxa and used his uh, business connections to begin trading <clears throat> metaxa in different parts of the world including one of the first uh, export destinations was actually romania and for a while there was a distillery in odessa which you know okay very close to romania on the black yeah. sea so uh, the links to romania are, are, are quite strong for this reason anyway i'm digressing but um <laughs> at that time take your time uh at that time yes uh he it was written on the bottle uh metaxa cognac actually spelt with a with a k you know yeah and then the way it's phonetically uh pronounced um so yes it used to have on the label metaxa cognac but at some point that was removed um and it couldn't it can't be referred to as a cognac as the legislation regarding cognac is very strict and very well protected as is the legislation with champagne and many other you know brands you can't refer to it let alone labels so i think it might have had something not to do with the label so recently but maybe a, a reference to it being called cognac king 
okay. commu- communication or something. So definitely, we never refer to to Metaxa as, as a Greek cognac. Uh, if it was done in the past, it's now, yeah, for various reasons, respect and for legal reasons, but also because it's a very different product. It's, um, it's a different spirit. It's made in a completely different way. The climate uh, and the grapes used in cognac are very different to the grapes that are used for the distillate and dis- different to the grapes uh, that are grown in Samos. Uh, so if you see on the picture with yeah the, that's uh, an island i think yeah samos. samos so although the the uh metaxa is not uh, distilled or matured on samos the vineyards on samos are a very important uh play a very important role in the in the construction of metaxa because all the grape uh all the grapes uh that are grown on on samos for metaxa are muscat grapes Similar to the Muscat wines that we get in Romania, very aromatic, very perfumed. Uh, so they give the ver- these very perfumed flavors um, and they add an element of sweetness and smoothness to, to Metaxa. Okay, so, uh, I'm dying to Yeah, to we should do. Yeah, because <clears throat> you've uh, talked so beautiful about it, so now I'm just curious, you know. Okay, so let's smell and then taste, yeah. First of all, I was just looking through this leaflet And I could not uh, uh, notice, I, I don't know if I'm saying correctly, When it, I could not help but notice, yeah, this is it, the beauty of the bottle, so the design and the lines and the shapes. And yeah, this is something incredible. that's, um, yeah, I mean, they look even more elegant than they, they did a few years ago. I think the whole range now, it's been redesigned and repackaged in the last few years. Um, so it looks like a complete range of, uh, of, of, of spirits from, from the younger spirits to the, the five star to the, to the top of the range. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, the, the design is really nice and elegant, which reflects the, reflects the, the spirit as well. Yeah. This one, the result, wow, incredible. So, um, what we are tasting now. No, we're tasting 12 star. Okay. Yeah, we started with 12 star. Oh, so yeah. this is our uh, beginning gonna, on yeah, this journey. Yeah. So really like the reserve range is is let's say starting with with 12 star because okay. this is the this is the matured uh, version. This is when so you know Metaxa is kept uh, in barrels to mature the distillates the, the the wines as well. They're matured separately. Um, and um, what's happening when the wines are kept in, uh, in, in oak barrels is obviously they're interacting with the, with the oak and also with the air outside. So as they're aging, they're developing more intense flavors. Uh, the fresher fruit flavors, the more floral flavors are developing and turning into dry fruit, uh, turning into what we call developed flavors, you know, so everything becomes a little bit sort of more intense. Um, you're tasting things like maybe fig. Uh, you begin to get nuances of different spices and chocolate. Uh, so the maturation process in any spirits, any age spirits, you usually get these more complex layers of aromas uh, and taste developing over time that comes from the interaction and from the process of it being kept in, uh, in oak. Yeah. And so 12 star is really where this uh, where this journey begins of, of real in complexity. And hopefully you're going to see with the next two how this develops over 20, 40, 60 years. Okay, when coming to cocktails, 
Uh, how would you combine the metaxa 12 stars? So with the 12 star, even though I said, you know, recommend to drink it neat or with a with a cube of ice to, to enjoy it, um, you can use it in cocktails as well. You know, it's very good for some sort of um, signature cocktails. Um, I mean, you can try all different things. It's very smooth, you know, and it's got a sweetness, but you've got the vanilla that's coming from the oak. You've also got this spiciness, bit of cinnamon, uh, and these different kind of Mediterranean spicy flavors. You've got the rose petal perfumed aroma. So there's lots of different, lots of different things you can do with it. You know, you can try, you can combine it with, uh, with the uh, orange, you can combine it with chocolate, coffee, uh, really experiment with different things. Mm. Or you can just simply try doing a Metaxa old-fashioned. I, I was thinking the same yeah. thing. I would try this in, a, in an yeah. old-fashioned when you said coffee, figs, yeah. this kind of aromas. Exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, that's a good place to start, to begin as a base if you're experimenting with 12 stars, is to make an old-fashioned just to add some bitterness to it and get, you know, some orange peel involved there and just uh just to enjoy it and to let it open up and then after that you can really begin experimenting with it and and try different things you know i've made a cocktail with this uh which uh i made it with greek yogurt and some okay. honey uh which was like a kind of uh i called it a samos fizz because it's a bit like a ramos fizz okay. but with metaxa instead of i, instead I of would gin. try that for sure yeah and using greek yogurt so it's something that's got a synergy with the The, the with metaxa and um yeah it's got i mean it's quite a complex uh spirit is the 12 star even though it's the beginning of the prim premium range because you've got those honey flavors you've got those chocolatey flavors nice and smooth very versatile have a lot of fun with it and because i think it doesn't truly sit in a category you know it's 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 not a brandy uh, it's, uh, so it's, i was uh, unique, planning to ask you yeah, this so yeah. is it safe to say that it is in the brandy area but it's something yeah. specific yeah because i mean because it's made you know from grapes distillating grapes it's in the brandy segment in the brandy category but because it's got added essence to it and because it's got the uh, muscat wines added it's not truly uh yeah it's not the same as a uh, as as other brandies okay so yeah. let's taste the next one and while we are pouring what do you suggest the uh, the angel one or the reserve no we'll go with the we're going to go through them uh, chronologically so we'll okay we'll, take the private uh, we'll take the private reserve next i'll which, put a bit of water first yeah. in a glass Um, and then we'll finish with the the angel's treasure. Okay. So I've never tried these two. So the last ones. Private Reserve is um, was first made uh, in 1992. Um, okay. Pour, Thank you. I'll pour, I'll pour from here. Um, ah, you don't want me for... Okay, no problem. We can open it later. Yeah, because Claudio is, I think he's dying of fart and he will benefit from for this sure. as well. Um, so the private reserve, um, yeah, first created by uh, by the, the Metaxa Master in, in 1992. Um, and every year a different uh, batch is made. So it's uh, a limited edition range. When it when it runs out, it runs out. Um, and this is using using like older distillates, uh, older older casks. Um, so you should feel on the nose 
much more complexity. When I first smelled it, it reminds me of um, a Portuguese wine, the, um, the sherry wine. Yeah. It smells the same. Okay, let's have a yeah. let's have a taste. It's so smooth. Smooth, yeah. How um, how much uh, ABV does it have? Forty percent, same as oh. the twelve star. So it's exactly the same ABV as the the previous one, but but it perhaps tastes smoother because spent much more time in the in the cask mm. and therefore it's more rounded. It's much more. Uh, voluptuous, you know. If if the twelve star was sort of elegant and nice, this is much smoother, much more voluptuous, mm-hmm. um, and you get more of those dried fruit uh, flavors. You know, really gorgeous kind of caramel sweetness with figs and dried apricots. Um, yeah, more layers of complexity. Some interesting. Yeah, it's very good interesting flavors underneath but it's also i mean it's still still young still some fruity flavors there but it's something to savor and enjoy a bit more you perhaps wouldn't use this in a cocktail you can try do some you know yeah. premium cocktails but actually this is really enjoyable on its own um at mm. this temperature this is exactly what i needed after a long day like this yeah very good. very good i've seen that you are doing a lot of um I don't know if there are promotional events, but uh, you know Dragos from Touching Art Cocktail. I do indeed, yeah. He's doing a lot of stuff with Metaxa, That's you know. That's right, yeah. Have you been to Poyana Brasov? I have, yeah. So for the ones who uh, who are looking at our show, uh, Poyana Brasov is like a mountain ski area, which is like. 12 kilometers from here from Brasov and it's very very nice and uh, this guy Dragos is going up in the mountains and he's doing some kind of parties or events or stuff like that yeah. tastings and only with Metaxa but he's doing I think hot drinks there yeah I mean which bec- seems natural because it's Apre ski yeah uh, yeah he's doing some some hot drinks uh so actually, that's the thing with Metaxa, because it's, you know, considered by many to be a brandy, it's something that's very warm, but it's a Mediterranean style of brandy, Metaxa is Greek, so yeah, it fits very well in winter, but also in summer as well. You have those Mediterranean notes, so if you want to have it in a nice chilled cocktail in a long drink, it's perfect for summer, and if you want something warm and spicy, Mixed with some apple juice or some cinnamon. Like uh, a hot toddy, maybe. Yeah, exactly. A hot toddy, a bit of lemon, kushwari, um, cloves. It's really wonderful. You know, it's very, it's a very versatile, um, very versatile spirit. So, yeah, Dragos is doing um, lots of events in winter, but also in summer he does lots of events, uh, you know, at the beach and at, uh, at the Black Sea and, uh, and other places with, with long drinks. You know, Metaxa, Metaxa with ginger ale, Metaxa five stars with ginger ale and some cucumber is really delicious. Oh, yeah. I've never tried it with cucumber. Yeah, yeah, it's very nice. Yeah. But it makes sense now that you're saying this. Yeah, it's just a very nice kind of cool, refreshing long drink. And um, the ginger, the spiciness of a ginger ale just enhances some of the the flavors of a, of a five star, which is, you know, quite a simple, fruity expression of metaxa but with with some ginger ale 
um, yeah, it really enhances those flavors. So it's quite a delicious uh, long drink. And you have a really good uh, ginger uh, ale in your portfolio. True ginger. Yeah. yeah. Natural ginger ale, indeed. Yeah. Yeah. I, I know this product when, uh, from when it first started yeah. many, many years true ago. True tonic and true ginger yeah, and, true, and true energy. It lasted until now, so that's good. It's still going. Yeah. It's still, it's still going. It's, uh, it's still in those little cans. Yeah. 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 And um, yeah, it's, uh, I love ginger ale. It's like, you know, ginger beer, it's, people often confuse ginger beer and ginger ale because they're quite different products. If you yeah. know that, especially like Jamaican ginger beer is really spicy, it's, it's quite hot. Whereas ginger ale in the form of like Canada dry ginger ale, it's a much more delicate uh, mixing uh, mixer. And, and I find it more fizzy a bit. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, um, Well, it, it, it depends. I don't know. The, the, the bubbles on it can be quite refined, I think, on a, on a ginger ale. And on, yeah. a, on a ginger beer, it's much more aggressive. You feel the kind of uh, the spiciness from the ginger. Um, but gin, ginger ale is like a, one of the classic mixers, you know, especially in the US. Canada Dry and uh, ginger ale uh, is something that people were always putting with whiskey and with all different types of, uh, of spirits to make long drinks. And so, yeah, true ginger, it's, it works really well with, um, with uh, Metaxi. It works really well with Remy Martin uh, VSOP. Okay. Yeah, VSOP. Um, if you combine the two, it also enhances it. I've never had my fair share of cognac, to be honest. I've never tried too many, uh, too many selections yeah. because, you know, when you are bartending, You kind of stay away from these kind of drinks, but now I'm starting to be a bit sorry, you know, because there is a lot of complexity in these kind of there drinks. There is, yeah. And I mean, there's a lot to discover with uh, with cognac-based cocktails. Um, yeah, indeed, like cognac's not as popular as it is as it should be and as it as it in, as it was. Um, but there's, you know, famous, famous ones like this sidecar. Maybe we'll talk about sidecar later when we talk about Quantrol. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, you know, this is a cognac classic cognac based, uh, cocktail. Um, yeah, I mean, cocktails based on any kind of brandy are, are quite interesting. And I really fancy them. Yeah. So we have one more. We do. Left. We should. Uh, we should try the the final one. Okay. So um, it's called the Angel's Treasure. Angel's Treasure. So um, the bottle looks. The bottle looks incredible. Angel's Treasure is with made with um single cask strength. Yeah. So, so the idea behind the name Angel's Treasure. I don't know whether you're familiar with um in Scotland in the Angel's Sc share Angel's share yeah. exactly so in Scotland they refer to the alcohol that evaporates from the casks and goes up into the atmosphere as the angel's share because the angels in heaven get to enjoy it um, in Metaxa in Greece obviously the humidity is a little bit different to Scotland um, so you get less evaporation of alcohol you get more alcohol remaining therefore in the in the cask which is why Angel's Treasure is 42.2% rather than 40%. Okay. So it's referred to as not the Angel's share because they don't get to keep it. It's, it's <laughs> the Angel's treasure. It's, it's what's left. So, um, yeah, we, we will try. Uh, yeah, I'm dying to, to taste it. So you say that all these uh, selections, we can find it in Romania also. You can indeed. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, thank you. 
You can find it, you know, on on back bars of uh, of bars with extensive age spirit collections. Um, you can find it online to buy. Um, but and yeah, in, indeed, you can find it in um, in retail in a few supermarkets and places like that. But you'll generally, yeah, it's a more selective product. I mean, it's more much more expensive. So the nose, at the first glance, is a bit of is a bit more intense than the previous one. More intensity. The color is much more uh, intense as well. It's a darker color because it's a it's a more aged spirit. Spent more than forty years aging. Wow! Some of the it's a blend of different. Uh, of different uh, distillates and, and wines. Uh, but yeah, you've got something that's really quite special in the glass. No, let's taste. Do you know the bar from Athens, Clumsies? I do, yeah. We have, um, Metaxa has a good collaboration with Clumsies. It's one of the, the bars that they work very closely with, yeah. So they, um, a few year, years ago, they organized um, an internship, you know? Ah, right, yep. It was like a small competition and they say, well, if we select you, you can um, come to our bar for one week to see all our secrets. Mm -hmm. uh, and then you make um, a guest shift and wow. you you get all the clumsy experience, you know? Yeah. So I, I've been lucky enough to be one of the winners. Ah, bravo, I didn't know this. Yeah, so I've been there for one week. And the first thing that I've noticed there, even uh, even though they are a top bar with a lot of uh, exposure, yeah. when you're looking into their cocktail menu, yeah. the main uh, ingredients are locally or from Greece. Yes. Some very, uh, a lot of uh, Greek products inside the yes. menu. So when I've... I've asked about it, say, well, we are in Greece. First, we promote everything that we can here and then the rest of the spirits. So that that really impressed me, you know? The, yeah. So this passion for locally, yeah, locally made products. It's something that's um, it's shared, actually, with the whole of the, the Remy Quantrill family because it's, um, you know, it's a big international company is, is Remy Quantrill, but at the same time, they really believe in, in the, uh, in all of the different spirits uh, producers that they, they work with in, in, in keeping this sense of, of terroir or locality with the price. So whether it's Scotch whiskey with Brookladi or the botanist, or whether it's Metaxa, Remy Martin, yeah, they really believe in, in keeping the people, uh, working closely with the spirits together. It's like a big family, really. Yeah. And so it's a very important part of these things. And Metaxa, indeed, it's like one of the things it prides itself on is um, is the fact that it's it's really trying to create uh, cocktails with, that have an identity of some kind of locality. Yeah. So after they opened the Clumsies, they had the Odori, which was yeah. uh, based on vermouth. Yeah. And after that, they made a, like a Greek tavern. I, I cannot remember the name now, but they had very big barrels of Metaxa That's right, yeah. above the bar. Yeah. And they were making some very nice experiments yeah. with were, Metaxa. They were making some wonderful... Um, I was lucky enough to go to the opening of that, that bar a few uh, years I ago. I cannot remember the name now. Neither can I. No. <laughs> we'll, 
will edit it in to save my embarrassment. uh, It's very close to the clumsies. Yeah, it's around the corner. And I've been there lots of times, but now I I cannot remember the name. It'll come back to me. Yeah. (laughs) I get told off by Metaxa for not remembering. Yeah, I was there at the uh, at the Opera. It's a great bar, and it's it's a it's a bit different to um, to Clumsy's. You know, Clumsy's yeah. like a, a nice, busy, dynamic bar, which is uh, always, well, at least for the last ten years, has been voted in the top ten bars in the yeah. world. You know, it was six when I was there. Yeah, that's right. And um, crazy. Yeah, uh, and the other location is is a, focusing a bit more on cuisine and yep, Greek yeah. Greek products and. Um, somewhere where you can enjoy in, indeed enjoy cocktails but maybe with a bit more peace and quiet and it's not it's not quite 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 as crazy as as clumsy's but i mean athens athens is great what a great yeah. bar scene yeah yeah i mean so as a part of that experience mm-hmm. uh, i've got to i've got the chance to see all the top bars you know it was every night we we're going to the different bar yeah and you know when you're a bartender and, and you are taking care of it's different you know you can you it's like you have um the back door open for you and you yeah, see everything yeah. taste everything so you can see the prep rooms and all this kind of stuff yeah and, so uh, that was that was a very nice experience and I, they still do it yeah yeah or they still did it until the pandemic i think yeah i think they're still they're into this uh idea of international collaborations and doing bartender exchanges and guest and guest yeah. uh, bartenders i mean it's a really important part of the business as as you know as we've begin begun to see in romania i mean i think like five six years ago it was pretty difficult uh we weren't, didn't not that many people would come and visit us in Romania to do bartending <laughs> shifts and that's really changed you know that's for apart sure. from the p- pandemic let's just forget about that year yeah. <laughs> for, the, for this <laughs> present moment but um yeah you know it's it's really great that we get loads of people from all different backgrounds and from different nationalities and from different brands or working in different industries coming to Romania and doing guest bartending shifts and master classes it's wonderful yeah, yeah, you really good. organized quite some interesting masterclasses. Yeah, yeah, we have uh, actually we have a guy in uh, yeah who works for Metaxa Aris. Um, he has a very complicated last name. I was going to say I wasn't going to mention that. I was just going to ask. I was calling him Aris <laughs> yeah. uh, because his last name is unpronounceable. For any, he ad- he admits that, so he won't, I, I'm not embarrassed. Yeah, about everyone it. knows him yeah. as Aris. Exactly, it's Aris, uh, and he actually owns an, a bar in 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 Athens as well. Uh, and he got he's I mean he's he's into molecular mixology so i've been he, to his bar yeah yeah it's amazing it's an amazing little bar and um yeah so he's he travels or he did travel around the world to ukraine and to all different parts of, uh, of the world uh doing some master classes and showing people the versatility of of metaxa yeah and uh he's an important part of the team because i think one of the things that we're trying to do in romania because if we talk about the history a bit of Metaxa in Romania, um, it's, as you said, very well established spirit. You know, used to get drunk at high school. It used to get not drunk. Used to get Just, uh, responsibly tipsy yes. um, <laughs> on Metaxa at high school. Um, and, uh, you know, people know, people are really aware of, of Metaxa in Romania. But it, it, because of that, uh, it has a somehow a bit of a dusty image for some people. It's something that old people drink or that you just buy in a kiosk. Yeah, yeah. You know, to mix with cola. 
Um, so part of the rebranding and part of the, the launch of the 12 star and part of the, uh, the, the strategy and the, the fun of working with someone like Aris and, and international bartenders is to try and convince people or to show people because we don't need to convince them because when they taste uh, Mataxa 12 star, they know that it's a, a really good spirit. Yeah. Um, is to is to show people like how versatile and how complex Mataxa can be, that it's not just this Greek brandy that everybody kind of knows. Uh, and in Romania, it's, you know, people are, yeah, they're, they're understanding a bit more about 12 stars and the, the premium range because of, because of the way we've, we've presented things. Metaxa in Romania was one of the few brands uh, during the communist period that was um, available in Romania. So it was an imported product in Romania. Oh, really? Before 89, yeah which meant that it was quite exotic, you know, for that generation, because it was not Romanian. It was something from another country that was exotic and sophisticated. Um, but that generation still thinks that, you know, it still <laughs> has the same preconceptions about it being a Greek cognac. So we have to kind of train, change some perceptions about Metaxa. And we do that by tasting and education. And, so you're focused mainly on education? Yeah, education and just um, and letting people know about the, the history of Metaxa uh, and doing a tasting experience, often with the full range from five star right up until Angel's Treasure. So people really can understand the evolution of how this, uh, this, uh, this spirit is changing from something which is really accessible and fruity to something which is really complex and matured and opulent. That's actually a good idea to have everything on the table yeah. from the five stars to, yeah, that's good. Yeah, if you do it, I mean, it's a really wonderful evolution to see how this thing is changing from uh, from a quite a young spirit into something which is, you know, more than 50 years old. Yeah, so um, to wrap this up with uh, Metaxa, w uh, when do you think that the new generation will... Uh, have Metaxa or spirits like that or like Remy Control, how it used to be like from my parents, our fathers, you know? Uh, like the same ritualistic way of having having it, you know, in your home. Because back in the day, we had a bottle of cognac, yeah. cognac or brandy in our home and our My father used to drink it, you know. Okay. But now the new generation, we are not drinking it so much like that. How we taste it today? Okay, like as me. a digestive, yeah. or as an aperitif, this kind of um, ritual. Um, I don't know. I mean, I hope the younger generation is still going to drink alcohol because <laughs> they're, they're very healthy and boring. You know? <laughs> That uh, okay. That's a very good point of view. <laughs> You know, let's, let's hope there's not a big crisis where people refuse to drink alcohol in the future. No, I'm joking. People always drink alcohol. Um, but um, yeah, I don't know. I think what I hope with definitely with something like the 12 stars Metaxa is we're trying to break down really this. Uh, the idea that you should be scared by age spirits because they're expensive and because they're something that's in a cabinet or in, you know, usually a, an old man's cabinet, you mm -hmm. know expensive cognacs and expensive single malts and expensive uh, distillates. It's like something like 12 stars is really affordable. 
So you can enjoy it. It is. Co- yeah. yeah, it is. You can enjoy it in a cocktail. You can find it at most retail stores. So it's like you don't have to worry about too much about, you know, how you consume it. You can consume it neat or with a big cube of ice or try and make a more complex cocktail with it. So, um, yeah, it's to break down these these traditions and barriers so people um, people can just enjoy things without sort of worrying too much about uh how they should how they should be tasting things and, yeah i think we worry too much we do worry i mean there's like technicalities you know of course we we work in the business so people are always telling us that you know certain glasses enhance flavors and we should use certain types of ice molds and, da, 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 mm. you know? and of course it's it's all important information to it means that we can enjoy things more and we can fine-tune uh, cocktails and we can really enhance flavors but You know, I really believe at the end of the day, the experience that the client gets and the experience that we all get is what's in your hand at the time. So if you're enjoying a drink and you're sat on a beach, you know, and someone buys you a margarita, you're, that's probably going to be the best margarita you taste because of the atmosphere, because yeah. of the people you're with. You know, it doesn't matter that they've used... Uh, Uh, you know, a little bit of a saline, uh, you know, additive here and, you know, the, the limes are sourced from a certain place. I mean, this is all, you know, this is our our background, our kind of technicalities. But for the end client, I think it's important that people just enjoy really delicious, interesting experiences. And, yeah, that's you know, the word experience. Experiences you know, without any preconceptions of how they should be enjoying it. So many, so many people are intimidated by wine and spirits because they're worried about how they should be enjoying it. Should I drink it with ice? Should I, you know, is it wrong for me to, to think? sparkling water. Yeah, you know, is it, you know, there's a whole history of the way that uh, spirits are drunk and how spirits evolved into different cocktails that, uh, yeah, by breaking rules. So, yeah. That, that's actually very nice. <laughs> yeah, so I, I don't I don't know how the next generation uh, are going to be enjoying uh, are going to be enjoying um, attacks or another cocktails. Um, well, we'll have to, we'll have to live see. and see. Yeah, we'll have to be be those old old men. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we we are uh, one hour and a bit, and you've said already two times the word margarita. Yeah. So how for you how? What is the perfect margarita? Or oh, let's not let's not say perfect. How is the ideal margarita for you? Well, always with control. Okay. So that's you know. That's it's because you work for Remy Control. No. Okay. <laughs> no, it should be with control because okay. yeah, margarita. If we're gonna we're gonna start uh, talking about margarita and get a margarita party hats on. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, margarita, tequila. Uh, triple sec but you know the definitive triple sec is Cointreau the most intense uh, flavored uh, and the original uh, triple sec so you should always use Cointreau with your with your margarita and fresh lime juice and a salt rim and of course temperature chilled ice okay important. what kind of tequila uh, 100% agave or mixto uh, you can experiment I mean So, classic margarita, you want a white, you know, tequila blanco. But um, agave, of course, uh, you know, a, a proper tequila. Okay. But um, you can begin experimenting with mezcal and with, you know, all different riffs and twists off of this, as well as, you know, replacing the lime juice with other fruits. 
roasted fruits, you know, different different types of fruits, depending on whether it's you want it spicier or you want a smokier flavor. If you're, for instance, if you're going to use mezcal, you can, you know, roast some things like strawberries. You can roast strawberries in the... In I've the, had one with roasted pineapple and it was yeah, great. Yeah. So again, I mean, there's like, you've got the important ingredients there uh, to play around with and add some spice. You can add some uh, jalapeno in there to spice things up, add some cu cucumber to cool it down, to add a bit of freshness to it. Um, so all those different components can can change, but not Cointreau. Okay, but Cointreau has <laughs> a few selections, if I, I'm not mistaken. So we have the the classic or the original. How should I? Well, name I it? think yeah, the one that's really well known is is uh, is this classic, uh, the classic bottle okay. with Cointreau, which is uh, the the orange liqueur. So yeah. this is like the first established recipe. Cointreau as a producer were making many different liqueurs. You know, their history is dating back to, to 18, uh, 1849, says on the bottle here, 1849. Yeah. The bottle, the design of the bottle is actually quite interesting for Cointreau because it's the original design of the bottle that dates back to, to, to the early days of, uh, of Cointreau, the logo and the design. You know, it's, so it's retained this kind of iconic, iconic bottle. Um, but originally, Cointreau, they were making different, uh, they were making different liqueurs and perfumes as well. Now I remember as you are talking, when I've started to learn about bartending many years ago, not, not that I'm old, <laughs> uh, I, I have studied about Cointreau if, and uh, if I'm not mistaken, the first product that the House of Cointreau made was a cherry liquor called Guignolet. Could be, yeah, yeah, yeah. They made many different... Now I have some flashes, yeah, you know? They made many different liqueurs because at that period in the 19th century, liqueurs were really popular. Uh, France had a big empire, as did Great Britain. Um, and so they, they were importing all different interesting spices and fruits from different parts of the world that people were really intrigued with and they wanted to flavor them in different things. Um, and so the people, the, the trend for liqueurs uh, was was well, is established even before the 19th century. But you know there was a big trend for these sweet liqueurs with different flavors, and Cointreau excelled in making uh, an orange liqueur, really intense flavors, by selecting bitter orange peels and also sweet orange peels, um, which then a seeped in some uh, neutral alcohol and water with sugar added. Quite a fast distillation process to create this very intense crystalline, uh, clear, intense orange liqueur. So Cointreau is not orange colored. It's actually clear if you... I remember now that I've been to France and sadly I do, I do not remember the name of the city. Now I don't Angers. know because I've been to Angers. Yeah. But I've never got the chance to visit the distillery because we were in a trip with another brand. Yeah. Yeah? But someone from our team had some connections uh, with Cointreau yeah. and they made like a small escape and four okay. people went to the distillery. I was so jealous. Yeah, I think even I think now the, they even have a bigger visitor center and a more of a Cointreau experience there. But um, yeah, it's... It's something that, a Cointreau is, is something that people are very familiar with. They've seen the bottle behind back bars and... You yeah, know, when I started bartending, it was on it was the always, back. Yeah, yeah, it's always there. It's like the that beetle, the Angostura. Exactly. It's, 
yeah. forever, so yeah. since ever. And um, indeed, when you start making cocktails, you know, it's often the secondary ingredient or the secondary uh, alcoholic uh, uh, spirit in a, in a cocktail. Uh, whether that's a sidecar, which is, you know, cognac with control, or whether it's white lady with gin, or whether it's uh, a cosmopolitan with vodka, it's with control. And margarita is one of those classic cocktails uh, that you should always make with control. But which control? So with this, with the the classic original control. So what do you think about the blood orange one and the control noir? I love the control noir. So control now noir is um, yeah. This is a combination of control with uh, with uh, with some cognac as well. So it's like this is a little bit special. So for instance, if you wanted to make a royal sidecar, which is a that was a, a I was thinking premium, about premium a premium sidecar, you would use Remy Martin Royal Accord, which is a, a, a nice kind of oak aged. Uh, well, it's got more heavier hints of oak than can the you say that again? Royal Accord 1703. I've never tried it. Yeah, you should try it. So it's got sort of more. It's got heavier notes of oak because of it's got more intense kind of vanilla flavors of oak. Um, and if you combine that with a Cointreau Noir, you will get the Royal Sidecar, lemon juice as well. You get a Royal, a Royal Sidecar, which is really delicious. That so, sounds delicious. Yeah, it's like an elevated sidecar. Okay. So the Cointreau Noir, yeah, really enjoyable. can have it over ice and just sip it to experience it um, in its natural form. Uh, and then Cointreau Blood Orange as well. So this is like made from uh, from from blood oranges. So again, it's it's, it's just another product. They're, I mean, they're less well known. You'll see uh, you'll see Cointreau Blood Orange less frequently on back bars. But you know, Cointreau's the big driver for the original Cointreau is the one that, that people look for really. Yeah, and I really love it that you can have it. You know, on the rocks. Yeah. Uh, you know, Americans are drinking that. When I was uh, working at the hotel bar and we had American tourists, yeah, the, the ladies would ask for a contro ice and a slice of orange. Yeah, yeah, you can just enjoy it. You know, really. Or simply. with lemonade, or yeah, or big um, contro. Uh, have a tradition of making something called the contro fizz, which is just a squeeze of a quarter of a lime some uh, club soda or apa minerala, uh, mineral water, uh, like 40 mils of um, 40, 60 milliliters of, of Cointreau, uh, just stirred over ice. And it's like a delicious long drink. Nice, mm. spritzy, the lime gives it some some uh, some sourness, which counteracts with the, the intense sweetness from the orange. Uh, you can also, you know, model some pomegranate in there. You can do many different twists, add a mm. bit of mint as well. Really nice as long drinks in summer, Cointreau Fizz. You had a lot of uh, great events with Cointreau before the pandemic. Yeah, yeah. We, I've seen some drinks on your uh, Yeah, your we, do, we do nice soirees with Cointreau, you know, nice elegant parties. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a sophisticated French drink. I mean, it's... Uh, yeah, and not as it's important in cocktails as well. And all bartenders uh, can experiment with it and use it for different cocktails. But yeah, you can you can enjoy it in its its more natural form, which is like you know in Cointreau fizz or in long drinks. Yeah, um, I think you know perhaps people are not 
often uh, that familiar with ordering a Cointreau at the bar. You know, mm. They, they mm. tend to order these cocktails without ordering it with specifically Cointreau because you could use other triple sex in, in recipes that are more affordable. So what we're trying to encourage bartenders is to really appreciate, you know, the qualities and the intensity of flavor that you get from Cointreau rather than using an inferior triple sec in a, in a cocktail is to is to really go for the best. Well, I think the only people that are doing what you are saying, I think, are the Americans. When they ask for something, yeah, they specifically tell you the brand. I want the, I, I yeah. want a control margarita. Yeah. And you know what to do. Yeah. 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 There's a few brands in the world that uh, are lucky enough to have this kind of prestige if they order it with the mixer, you know. Yeah. Jay and Coke and etc. <laughs> etc. Et yeah. I mean it you know, it takes a lot of time for a brand to to work towards that level. But um yeah, Quantro is really well known, but um we're trying to encourage people to to understand the qualities of it a little bit more. Yeah. Well, you are doing a great job here in Romania, at least. I, I cannot speak for other countries, but here I, uh, we can see the results. Yeah, well, we have a good team of, uh, we have a good team really working with... Uh, yeah, Dragos is also hustling with this one. Yes, yes. The, I've seen quite a lot of, uh, I don't know how to say this, brand activation, maybe? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. Or brand activity. Yeah, just, you know, giving people the opportunity to uh, to taste uh, long It, drinks and cocktails. With, I think this is control. the key also. Yeah. To let people know your product, to yeah. taste it, to interact with it, to smell it, to, you know, to exactly. get to know it. Exactly. Yeah. And to understand what it what it is, you know, rather yeah. than uh, rather than just it uh, staying on the back bar and being used in cocktails without people actually knowing what this uh, very important uh, spirit and ingredient is. Yeah. So. Oh, okay. Yeah. I have one more question about the uh, Remy Contros and then we can maybe wrap the the bartending part. Sure. So I was thinking um, how difficult or how challenging is to uh, work with a cognac brand when the new generation uh, is not so much into cognac or cognac drinks or how do you maneuver this how do you navigate this yeah it's a good question um it's uh how do you sell cognac to a to a younger generation yeah, yeah. how to make it appealing i think well one of the ways is through is through cocktails um but also yeah cognac is a little bit behind compared to um compared to other spirits You know, I think every spirit, the main spirit categories have all experienced their ups and downs over time. You know, they become very popular in history and then they become less popular for various reasons. Either that generation becomes old and they become unfashionable. Um, and so they have to struggle to, to gain popularity again um, or to gain back their reputation. It ha it's happened with gin. It's happened with uh, single malt whiskey. It's happened with tequila, you know, because everyone was thinking that tequila should just be drunk with salt and lemon in the shot. And, you know, actually tequilas are really sophisticated product and there are aged tequilas, which are amazing, but very few people know about them because everybody thinks that tequila is uh, is something that you just throw down your neck and then regret the next day. <laughs> um, you know what's funny? Because I've started to make, and this is a self-promotion moment. Okay, no problem. I, I've started to make uh, for TikTok uh, one-minute tutorials about yeah. bartending. And I, I've done one about tequila. 
and I've promoted it with sangrita, you know, to drink sangrita with yeah, tequila. Yeah. So I've said the same thing. So tequila is not something that you throw down on our neck on a Saturday night yeah. and throw up on a yeah. Sunday morning. Yeah. So it's more than that. This is the exact text. Yeah. So that's well, crazy. We've all been there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's a common experience. But uh, again, I'm digressing. You asked me about cognac and, and you yeah. know what to do with uh, cognac to make it more popular. Um, I think it will have its moment in the in the sun again. Um, you know, it's a curse and a blessing cognac because it's it's made in a v- relatively small area of France. You know, it's a product which is has this uh, specific uh, origin, uh, this provenance, which makes it an exceptional product. But it also means that people have this idea that it's quite a snobby, you know, sophisticated product that only experienced, rich, wealthy sophisticated people can drink and i think cognac also are a bit to blame because they sat on that reputation of being this exclusive exclusively made product so that was i w- yeah. was about to tell you because when i started in bartending it was like almost a sacrilege yeah. to make a cocktail with a cognac yeah if, Which, uh, even though it was a vs Yeah, you you weren't allowed, which which shouldn't be the case because yeah. you know I mean there's a tradition of I mean the first cocktails were made with 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 cognacs and bourbons so it's um that shouldn't be the the uh, the the way that people feel about cognac and actually VS and VSOP account for the the largest uh, percentage of sales and more than 80% of global yeah. sales are in that you know accessible category. So um yeah it's it's they have a bit of work to do but I mean one of the things like Remy Martin is doing is uh, of course educating continuing to 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 tell people about why cognac is a really special a really special spirit um but it's also again very involved in working with bartenders and programs with bartenders to try and encourage uh, bartenders to to use um to use uh, Remy Martin in uh, in cocktails but uh Remy Martin also they um they no no longer make a VS uh, VS um uh cognac they they start from VSOP upwards oh yeah i didn't know that so they're really you know doing focusing on quality yeah other other producers still make VS uh for the market the other f- big three, let's say which you know who they are yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> can say them Hennessy Courvoisier and Martel. Yeah, so they so, are like yeah. four big houses. They dominate the market. Th- yeah. That's crazy, you know. Yeah. Because more, uh, also I think more than 70%, 80% of cognac sales of those yeah. four big houses. I, I think that's still the statistic. Yeah. So yeah. So and then there's many many, you know, family run small houses in cognac, but um yeah, it's a, you know, cognac as a town is a very small town and the region is is relatively small. And they split into different re- regions where the different uh, different six different regions with where the grapes are grown. Um, so yeah, very interesting, um, very interesting uh, region is cognac and spirit. To, to have you been there? Yes, I have. Yeah, I visited okay. uh, Remy Martin. I've never been there, so it's an interesting place to visit. I mean, obviously full of of vineyards, like working agricultural vineyards, um so lots of uh of French uh of French uh vineyards that collaborate with cognac ha- houses. 
but it's not as uh, luxurious and as sort of rich as you might imagine. You know, it's not full of chateaus and no, kind of thing. no. It's very agricultural because they're producing cognac grapes to this. They then sell to cognac houses, which are then distilled, and the cognac houses decide on the quality of the grapes. So, a uh, someone who has a vineyard. Uh, maybe some of their grapes get bought one year, but if the quality is not there, then yeah, they don't uh, they don't they don't buy those grapes. So is it true that do you need eight or ten liters of wine for one liter of uh, cognac as a finished product? I'm not sure. I have to check that. Yeah, I've, I've I have to Google that. Yeah. As we are talking, I have some flashes in my hand, you some, know? Something like that, yeah. Because yeah. I know that they, they use quite a lot of wine to yeah. make cognac. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the f- the fermentation of the wine. And uh, the wine the is not, and not it, so good to drink it by itself? No, no. You're looking for you're looking for different qualities in, uh, in the wine. I mean, it's mainly Ugni Blanc is the grape variety, which uh, you can find as a wine. This as is a like Nate. 98% if yes, I remember of correctly Ugni Blanc Ugni Blanc yeah yeah and Colombard as well which yeah you, and Fall Blanc yes my yes. French is not so good neither is mine <laughs> <laughs> but yeah there's permitted grapes but Ugni Blanc is the main one it's also called Trebbiano you might have had it as an yeah. Italian wine yeah and they make like nice fairly neutral tasting wines so you know nice fresh white wines but the reason they use them for cognac uh production and for distillation is they have higher acidity and the high acidity uh helps against bacteria so they don't want any faults uh emerging when through the distillation process which might be enhanced through the distillation process because essentially what you're doing when you're distilling is you're you know increasing the alcohol but you're also concentrating and you're refining the flavor and um, throughout the distillation process the first distillation and the second distillation you're you're removing certain parts of the alcohol and certain parts of the flavor that you don't you don't want in the end product so um, yeah that's an important part of cognac production is 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 they need a kind of neutral wine with high acidity to then develop it into this uh, distillate, which then will go into oak barrels, limousine casks, and then be aged and create something really special. Okay, so here I have uh, one more question. Maybe you could uh, bring yeah. your mic a bit closer to you. You Can, can manu- I bring myself a bit closer to the mic? Yeah, or like this, you can maneuver it like okay. this. Okay. So uh, we are allowed, Claudio allows us to touch it by the, this part. Yeah. Not here because we are going to get in trouble. Yeah. So, uh, are you at Remy Control? Are you experimenting or are going to plan to experiment some new uh, spirits that are from the house of Quant- uh, Remy Martin for the new generations? Because I've seen uh, some brands of Armagnac yeah. doing some unaged Armagnac uh, and bring it to the market for drinks like a Cuba Libre, you know? So, you switch the rum. Yeah. And you put like an Armagnac, which is an age. Is this the same case with Cognac? Yeah, I mean, uh, with like Cognac, a Blanche, the, I think it's called. The Royal Accord is a non age statement. So, I mean, there's uh, the Royal Accord that I mentioned that I've never on. tried. Yeah, okay. I will give you a bottle to try because okay. this, is, uh, this is something which uh, is um, it's perhaps in a more modern style. It's something that's it's premium, super premium, but more accessible for for 
for making cocktails and for people who are going to nightclubs um, because it has this kind of fresh oak feel to it. So um, it's more flexible uh, as a as a as a spirit to be used and more suitable as a spirit to be using in cocktails. It's more premium, a bit more textured and layered than Vers au Pay, uh, but it's not perhaps as sort of. Um, it doesn't maybe have the layered complexity of the opulence of the XO. So it's something that's sitting in the middle that you can play around with. Yeah. So, yeah, for sure. I mean, there's lots of different releases of uh, Remy Martin and within the uh, Remy Contro family, Brookladia making all different vintage releases and uh, organic barley releases and uh, Isla barley releases of Octomore and all. Yeah. So there's a lot of different um, products and spirits available. Um, some of them limited edition, some of them available just in travel retail. So it's like a huge portfolio. Okay. And I think it, it's, it's, you know, all of the distilleries are ex always continuously trying new things. Um, for instance, Brookladi, which is making Scotch whiskey, um, Octomore started as, as an experiment. They just said, let's try and make the most heavily peated whiskey in the world. We've had it here. I don't know if you noticed, but when you go up the stairs in our yeah. studio, there is a very nice picture made from the guys at the Visible Studios where we are now. And we have a picture with it, with ah, Octomore. I didn't see it. I'd yeah, I will show, show you. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, Octomore started out as just an experiment and now it's developed into a very famous uh, peated, you know, super heavily peated whiskey. Yeah, I kind of like it. Yeah. You know? Uh, me too. Yeah, I was drinking some of them uh, last night. Oh, lucky you! Yeah, yeah. I think we have a, we have a bit more in the bottle, like a small amount. Yeah, it's yeah, enough. yeah. It's enough at sixty percent. It's uh, it's enough just to have a small amount. Yeah. So yeah, to answer your question, I mean, yeah, Metaxa Twelve Star, you know, relatively relatively new uh, release from from Metaxa. So um, I think there's always there's always new things you have to you have to keep the portfolio fairly dynamic whilst respecting you know the the diehard classics which uh, have that iconic reputation like like Quantron. the aficionados the yeah, passionate yeah. ones yeah though. the ones that are really you know like have quality for more than a hundred years you know in the case of Quantron. and. Um, yeah, you know, that we just want to try and sp spread the message and let people know about these, you know, this wonderful history and this iconic bottle and uh, the process that goes behind uh, selecting the orange peels and everything else. I mean, it's like, it's a wonderful, it's a wonderful story. Cool, man. So I think we have to wrap this bartending thing up. Wonderful. So we have uh, the, as a tradition, let's say. Yeah. At the end of the podcast, we allow us a few minutes to talk about other passions that you have or other activities that uh, you are doing so i've seen on uh, all, all your accounts that so le let me see if i get this trick so you are a singer you are an actor you appeared on magazine covers yeah is it something that you do not do um yeah i do i've you know done a bit of those things yeah yeah i think alcohol helps <laughs> okay so I'm curious Easy, about the, the movies. How how did you get into movies? Um, Even I think there are some more roles. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I I make some 
films and uh, do a bit of acting in Romania uh, because I'm because I'm English native speaker and um, people are making quite a lot of films, uh, you know, in Romania using the studios here and using the production companies here. And so they're often looking for native English speakers and there's not that many. Indeed. So somehow I managed to yeah find uh, find a bit of time and it, I do it for fun and it is fun and I meet great people and get to work with like international crews of filmmakers and Romanian crews. So like yeah I, I do I've had opportunities that are really great and I enjoy it. But have you been to acting school? No. So everything is natural. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, everything's natural. So how many films you have featured are you? Oh, uh, well I've not featured. I've not featured as a star in any films yet. But do you appear on the poster? <laughs> no, no, nothing. <laughs> okay. Nothing yet. No, no, no multiplex. Uh, no multiplex. Uh, what pre- would you premieres. like to uh, access this more, this industry, and maybe you can uh, stop do being a consultant for spirits and doing like proper length movies lengthy movies let's see (laughs) (laughs) i think i think this would uh, suit you you know because all the pictures that i've seen with you from the i don't know how to say the cast yeah yeah they they look very good on you you know all the the equipment the yeah the clothes and everything the i do say requisita i think the prop yeah yeah the prop yeah okay Well, thanks, me. That's <laughs> that's nice. Yeah, yeah. No, I, 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 I enjoy I, doing. It. I don't know about whether whether I'll, you know, there's a future in it. I I do it for fun, and I do lots of different things for fun, and I have hobbies. And uh, yeah, I studied a bit of music and art when I was younger. So I do. That's what music, I wanted yeah. to ask you. So your background before uh, all this hospitality industry. Yeah. You did that, the arts. Yeah, I studied art school at... Uh, in UK? In central St. Martins in London, yeah. I studied painting. Okay. So I paint as well. Yeah. You paint as well, so yeah. sing, paint, yeah. act in movies, play in movies. Yeah, I don't dance, so don't ask me. Okay. Not maybe after two margaritas. Yeah, maybe after some some margaritas, uh, I'll, I'll start I'll start tap dancing. So wh- what about singing? Do you have a band or are you are I, ha- you are some friends? I sing with a couple of guys who are yeah friends of mine who are they're professional musicians. So yeah, we have we had you know some fun doing some things during uh, during lockdown. I think lockdown was good for. It wasn't great. Let's let's not say it was good. It was good, but I mean, you know, lots of people went back to doing things that they, you know, maybe had passion about before they got involved in other things. And you know, that was the case with me. With I started doing a bit more, being, being a bit more involved in music again and things like this. So um, yeah, I, I sing occasionally with uh, a couple of guys in a small jazz band, and um, yeah, it's really nice. It's good. But maybe you can involve all your uh, talents or all your skills, you know, like singing with acting with the spirits and make like a nice commercial here in Romania. That'd be good, wouldn't it? Yeah. 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 You just need to find some investors. Yeah. It'd be good if I could uh, sell cocktails, yeah. sing, dance, yeah. juggle at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> maybe yeah. not, not that, but yeah. Yeah. It'd be good. Yeah. So what are your plans for the future? Um, Let's say personal wise and professional wise. 
Oh, it's a difficult question. Is it? I don't. Yeah, yeah. no, I have the the yeah. difficult questions here. Uh, what are the plans for the future? Well, um, you know, I enjoy doing all the things that all those different things that uh, you mentioned. I really enjoy doing them. But um, yeah, I plan to I plan to stay in Romania. So um, yeah, let's see what happens. Well, you are more than welcome here. Thank you. Because you integrated very well, I would say. Good. <laughs> I'm glad I don't stand out. <laughs> well, if people are recognizing you on the street as being the son of uh, Prince Charles, that's what I can do in the future. If uh, everything else fails, I'll just become a, a Prince Harry impersonator. Yeah, and, and a couple of lay doing uh, public appearances. That would be great. I, I I would pay for a ticket. <laughs> <laughs> and professionally. And professionally, I'm always looking forward to like, uh, well, tasting new stuff, not only from the Remy Control portfolio, but like all different, you know. You brand, must have a brands. big collection at house. I do have a lot of, yeah. How many bottles do you have? Uh, not counting plastic bottles of Suica yeah, that yeah, people yeah. have given me. Um, the one in the Fanta bottle. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, I don't know. I've got a, like good three shelves of spirits, you know kind of stacked with all different things of uh, liqueurs and uh, bottles of cherry hearing, which I use, you know, occasionally for... I love cherry yeah, hearing also, yeah, yeah. yes. And lots of liqueur, you know, if I want a, a watermelon liqueur, there's some, one at the back that I've probably not used for two years and mm. bitters and... And yeah, and lots of uh, lots of scotch whiskey, have lots of blended, blended scotch and uh, single malts, yeah. So quite a, quite a big collection that I that I choose, you know, I tap in for it to from time to time when I sometimes I feel the need to drink rum. Um, so I have some Mount Gay. Mount Gay is also in the Remy uh, Remy Control portfolio, Barbados rum. So uh, I think I forgot to mention that earlier on. You said about a, a bit about Mount Gay. But yeah, none. You we can we can finish with this. Right. Yeah, so I, yeah, Mount Gay. You know, I enjoy a nice a nice aged rum from time to time to relax, as well as Metaxa and other things. So uh, so yeah, I'm always looking forward to like learning new stuff and tasting new things. It's, it never stops. It's like an infinite. I think the worst thing is when you meet people who think they know it all. <laughs> you know, they think they've... You had your fair share of those, huh? Well, I think in the business, you know, in the wine and spirits business, there are people who kind of act as if they've tasted everything. I mean, there's lots of people who have tasted a lot of different things. and um, But, uh, yeah, it's never a, a business that you can completely know everything. Mm, for You've sure. tried everything. There's variance on everything. There's always something new to learn and... Uh, old brands to rediscover, new brands to be made, new cocktails to be made, new concepts, new trends, new fashions. I mean, it just goes on and on and on. And uh, that's really exciting. So that's that's what I'm looking forward to. Yeah. Cool, man. I, I remember the bar in Athens is called Senios. Yes, that's it. Yeah. Bravo. Yeah, so we are having a clean state now. Yes, Senios, that's it, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So if you want to go to Greece, Check Clumsy's, uh, Odori, Senos, and I think they've opened a new one now. Yeah. Uh, something like that. Yeah. Um, but I don't know the name. And uh, <laughs> it will take another hour to remember yeah, it. Yeah, I've forgotten the name. So, Robert, thank you very much for your Welcome. time. It was a it pleasure. Was for me as well. So, really good fun. Keep on rocking. Thank you. You too. <laughs> <laughs> Bye, everyone. Ciao.